Hi guys, welcome back to Nerd with Neri. I'm Preeti. And I'm Siri. Before we begin, Preeti and I have a short disclaimer. We are not doctors or professionals in this field. Anything we say or suggest is from our own research and volunteering experiences. Please contact a doctor or other professionals before taking further action. We also want to mention that we're still recording online, so if there is a lag in the recording, please do adjust. Today, we have an interview with Ms. Marissa Hansen. Ms. Hansen started teaching in Leyva Middle School in 1994 and was an integral part of founding Evergreen Valley High School. Soon after, she became the Teachers Union President to help support the teachers of the Eastside Union High School District and their rights. After 11 years of dedicated service, Ms. Hansen came back to teaching at Silver Creek High School and is a board member in the East Side in the Evergreen School District. Her son was born prematurely or three months early and was diagnosed with Down syndrome and autism. Without further ado, let's begin our interview. Ms. Hansen, can you tell us a little bit about how you were introduced to autism and special needs in general? Well, gosh, um, I was introduced to special needs as a teacher, really. Um, back in 1994, when I started teaching, I started learning a lot about children with special needs. Um, prior to you know teaching, getting my teaching credential, I was exposed to a lot of classes that helped us understand a little bit. But then once you start teaching, you start to learn about students with special needs. Um, autism was new to me. I didn't know a lot about autism until I've gotten older in the profession of teaching. Um, you figure right now I've been in the education for over 29 years already. But um, through you know being a teacher, I've learned a lot about the community. Um, and then, of course, now as a parent, I've been learning a lot about the community that we can talk about today in the interview. Awesome. That's so awesome to hear. You know, uh, a lot of times we, um, when our past interviews, you know, we've heard that people didn't know what special needs were or like weren't really introduced to the special needs community at all until um, their child was born. So it's awesome that, you know, you were kind of introduced to that community already. Uh, you also, you know, we also noticed um, and we're known that your son was also diagnosed with Down syndrome. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey as a parent advocating for autism and Down syndrome? Well, you know, it's been, it's been um, an interesting journey because it's always a surprise when you find out your child is going to have special needs. And so um, prior to him being born, I was told that he, he's most likely going to have Down syndrome. So at first, you're kind of frozen to the thought of it, and then you start to open up to how can you educate yourself about something that's that we, you know, has a lot of stigma, right? So we want to learn a little bit about it. So um, after he was born, I think that's really when my husband and I started learning about Down syndrome through communities that we have here in San Jose. We have one community called the Down Syndrome Network, um, Silicon Valley Down Syndrome Network, which are a bunch of parents that work with other parents to try to educate them and to make them feel comfortable with having a child with special needs. And within there's also another organization called Parents Helping Parents. And they were very supportive. From the minute my son was in the NICU, they were contacting me and letting me know what kind of resources were available to us so that we could start learning. And then lastly, um, autism, I didn't even start learning about aut autism really until I started seeing signs of my son possibly having autism as he got older. So his autism diagnosis was something that was later in life. He wasn't, you know, with Down syndrome, you can see it on the outside. With autism, you don't see it on the outside, it, you know. And so with that, it was something that, you know, we learned about later as he got older. And that's a nice segue to our next question, which is um, how and at what age were, was your son diagnosed with Down syndrome and autism? 
So Hunter was diagnosed with um, Down syndrome at birth as soon as he was born, since his blood, since my blood work had shown that it, he most likely had Down syndrome. When he was born, then they took a test. And with that, they could see that when you look at his chromosomes, he has an extra one, um, number 21. That's what that, that's the diagnosis. It's extra, something yeah. extra. And then with autism, autism was different. Um, I started noticing that my son wasn't actually progressing as much as even within his own peers, right? So we had a lot of friends that we grew, grew to, to really like and, and you know talk to who also had children with Down syndrome. And I started noticing that my son was behind and not, you know, it's one thing to have him be different than a typical child is the word we use for people who don't have a disability, but even within his own peers, I could see that he was far behind them. He was doing things less than them. And so I decided to learn a little bit more about autism and to see if that was something that he probably had. So with that, um, I decided to take him to Kaiser to be uh, tested. And so that only happened when just literally two and a half years ago. So um, he was diagnosed in January of 2019. That's that's pretty recent. But um, yeah. you know, yeah. thank you so much for talking about you know the diagnosis and how you noticed that you know later developments were occurring. And you did mention that you know um, it was kind of like that shock reaction, and then. You, you kind of grow open and you're like, oh, how am I going to educate myself and the people surrounding me? And you mentioned a lot of helpful like organizations and resources that um, helped you. But throughout the whole diagnosis experience for autism specifically, because um, it was very recent, what was your reaction? Were you kind of expecting it? How was the experience of kind of realizing that your son also is diagnosed with autism? Well, it was a relief, actually, because, you know, I was I was trying to figure out, you know, why was he so behind within his own peers, right? And knowing that there was something different about him, you know, this was helping me to understand why he wasn't speaking and communicating at all. You know, we were really kind of at this point where we were thinking, you know, what can we do for him? You know, we're trying to help him. We're trying to have him progress and mature, but that wasn't happening. And so getting him the autism diagnosis opened up some more doors for him because um, one of the things that he got once he was got the diagnosis was he was he receives ABA services, which is uh, behavior therapy services at our home. And so that was a huge step for us because we wanted him to have some extra support with a professional, somebody who could do that and teach us as well so that we could see him mature. And so um, that's been helping us try to, to learn more about autism and, and what's going to get him to communicate to us. That's, that's interesting. Um, I think I have two follow-up questions. Um, one, what age was this undiagnosed at? So I guess it was really just diagnosed right at, right before turning seven. So it, it officially it was in, I guess what you, we would say was December of 18, but then he started really finishing all the, all of it in January of 19. So that was just really three years ago. Wow. Yeah. And my other question is what, what, uh, how exactly does ABA therapy work? So um, ABA therapy, you know, some have them go to clinics. In Hunter's case, they come to our home and they work with Hunter. Um, one of the things that there is one of their big goals is potty training. 
um, you know, although Hunter's going to be nine, it's been a difficult process. And so they work with him on getting him potty trained, getting him to communicate more. Um, they're working on skills with that will help him to transition from one activity to the next. So they sit him down and they work on, they do what they call table games. And then they say, okay, break time. He goes off and plays a little bit, then they bring him back. So, um, so they're, they're just trying to get him to, to understand that there's a time when you work, there's a time when you play. Um, this is how you would communicate. So they, so they work a little bit with him on sign language. And um, sometimes they use pictures and they let him point. Right now- Hunter nonverbal? Yes, Hunter is nonverbal. And so um, right now they're showing him matching. Let's try to match things. So they're showing him pictures of things in which to look the same and things like that. Wow. It's kind of interesting that you mentioned um, sign language because I'm currently learning sign language oh, nice. at the local community college. So I had never thought of that perspective of using sign language as a way of community because um, we've always been taught, at least in sign language right now, we're learning like about the deaf community. Sure. And so it's kind of really interesting to see how you can bring in sign language to so many different communities. So I just wanted to put like how, I guess, in a way, a new perspective I have of the course I'm taking in general. Yeah, because, you know, when a child is nonverbal, it doesn't mean they don't understand. It just means they don't know how to communicate. Right. And so even though Hunter can hear, right, he the words are not coming out. But, you know, he goes like this to eat, right? He's like this and he goes like this for more, right? Because we'll be like, you know, are you all done? Are you all done? And he'll go, right, more. So he can't somehow come have it come out of his mouth, but he can show me. So um, you'll see that a lot with people in the, in the community is that, um, you know, they'll, they'll communicate in a different way. He might grab my hand and pull me to a different room to, to teach me that he wants to leave the room, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're going to see that a lot in, in special needs and especially in autism because children with autism, um, they have a hard time with eye contact and yeah. other ways of communicating. So that, as they say, some, a lot of them are nonverbal but don't have another condition like Hunter does. I think that um, I think the gestures part too. I think gestures are like the universal way of communication. And even mm -hmm. somebody who can't speak will understand like gestures, like pointing towards right. your mouth means you want to eat. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So with that, um, we've also kind of from our own experiences and research, we realized that sometimes it's helpful to have a routine or like stick to a particular schedule. And you mentioned how your uh, the ABA therapist comes and like there's a schedule where you work mm -hmm. on. Uh, table games. So is there any specific routine or like a very particular schedule that your family tends to follow or is it kind of free flow? Well, I think in the morning we kind of have a really good routine, especially with the fact that he has to go to school, right? So yeah. his dad goes and, and wakes him up in the morning. First thing takes him to the bathroom, right? Next thing gets him dressed. So yeah, we have established a routine with Hunter. He knows that after he goes to the bathroom, we have a bathroom right off of our kitchen. He gets to go sit down and have some breakfast, right? So I think all of those stages are important because he knows that if he goes and sits on the potty, next thing he gets to eat, right? He washes his hands, he gets to go eat, has a little snack. He knows then we're gonna take him to the bus. So it is important you know, with people in the, in the special needs community to have a routine so that, because one of the things is they don't like not knowing what's going to happen next. Right. So even if there's somebody like Hunter, who's nonverbal, 
you should still be talking to him. Let's go yeah. eat. Let's go to the bus. He knows what those things mean. I think as a follow-up question, how does Hunter react to like the sudden things that change your morning routine? Um, he will get upset, right? He doesn't, he gets very upset if things are different, right? So if I were to take him to the bathroom and then try to take him outside without giving him food, then he would react in anger, right? Oh, like, ooh, right? Like he knows he gets to eat next and how could I be skipping something, right? And so, um, yeah, definitely don't like change. And that, and that right there is more of the autism speaking, right? People who are autistic like things in the same way, the same, the same time every day, routine, 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 right? You keep on a schedule. And you'll see yeah. that more and more with people with autism. That's right. Uh, so do you feel like there's a significant difference in treatments or responses to treatments with children who've been diagnosed with both Down syndrome and autism compared to children who are just diagnosed with either only autism or only Down syndrome? Well, I, I, I do because in a sense, you know, children with, with Down syndrome, they're, they function so much higher than somebody like my son. I mean, honestly, um, you know, having that autism is, is a big difference. Um, he doesn't like his head to be touched. You know, he has a lot of sensory things. Um, he has to constantly have a toy that makes noise, you know, and so we don't see these in, in other disabilities as much as we do with autism. And so um, that's why it, it, I started wondering if he had autism and took him to, to be you know, diagnosed because he just constantly has to have sound, has to have dancing, has to have movement. Um, he likes toys that are flashy, you know, um, but doesn't like if you touch his head. So um, when you start looking for these signs and noticing them, then you start to see, oh, these are the signs of, of children who have autism, not Down syndrome. Mm, I see. Yeah. We've seen kids with um, the other way around that they don't like the sound and they mm -hmm. don't like flashy lights. Mm -hmm. I, I used to work um, with a child who used to wear headphones because it was yeah. very sensitive. He was very sensitive to sound. And I remember how when we were communicating, it was predominantly with gestures because we were in a room with so many other kids who liked yeah. sound. So it was like headphones and we were working with um, gestures and uh, pictures. He had a picture book. We used to point at pictures to do activities. Mm -hmm. so, I, I definitely do see the other way around that. Pretty sure, method. you're right. It's one extreme to the other, right? Overstimulated with noise or understimulated with noise, yeah. right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, so what, are, what are your son's symptoms that you see that are like Down syndrome? Besides, you talked about a lot of the autism side symptoms. So what are the Down syndrome side symptoms that you see? Um, I think mostly just, you know, his size, right? He's very small. Right. When you, of course, the thing about Down syndrome is, like I said earlier, you can see it on the outside. Right. You know, he has these features that people right away can look at him and say, oh, he's definitely got Down syndrome. Right. Um, but, you know, the way his body is, you know, he's uh, double jointed, believe it or not. You know, people with Down syndrome, you see them very flexible very flexible. Oh, I didn't know um, that. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, it, you look at his little thumb and it looks like it's it's broken, but it's, that's just, he's flexible. He has a really flexible the thumbs. Um, you know, so he has some, some of the body traits. Um, so far as the personality, um, they're happy. People with Down syndrome are known to be happy people. And um, they're always smiling and they're very loving and they're, they're very affectionate. 
you know? And so that side of him is probably more of, the, of his Down syndrome diagnosis. That's so nice. So um, as everybody knows, the whole world knows, the pandemic has been a huge transition for everybody, either mm-hmm. parents are working from home, school's online. Yeah. And, and we realized, you know, um, you mentioned how like specific routines or particular schedules, your son does tend to feel uncomfortable. So how did the pandemic affect your family and in particular your son? Like, did the daily routine change? Was it a hard transition? Well, it was interesting because um, we had just about started his ABA in March and then we, and then everything closed down. Right. And then in May, that first, you know, we're still talking the first May when everything was still closed, we started his ABA for the first time and he started with David and he had David 15 hours a week. So we created a great routine. So um, while my husband and I were teaching, you know, including from that spring all the way to the next school year, we were teaching online all the time. You know, Hunter had a nice routine. He did his online class for the first hour in the morning, and then he had three, two to three hours left of ABA, right? So he had a great routine, you you know, because I didn't think he was going to get too much out of being online because of his special needs. But um, his ABA therapist would either do it with him or he would show up and then he would spend time with the ABA therapist in our house. And so he did that for over a year, right? Because we started in that May, that first May, and then the following school year when we were home, he had his uh, ABA therapist every day, Monday through Friday. And so um, we were really lucky that it created such a good routine for him that he knew that he was going to do his online class or he had online speech, or he had online, um, he had um, occupational therapy, and then he also had his ABA therapist. So that was pretty much his morning, and then his afternoon was playtime. He had his babysitter here with her two daughters, and so um, it, we were really lucky to have ABA working with him and to have his babysitter coordinating everything while my husband and I were on the computer teaching. <laughs> Yeah, that that definitely seems that actually seems um, amazing to hear because we I think we did some research and we were seeing how the uh, pandemic really affected a lot of people negatively. And it's really nice to hear the positive side of, you know, that some things did work out for the better. So that's yeah, all, yeah. I got lucky that I had just finished getting his diagnose and they had just qualified him for 15 hours a week. I mean, it literally had just happened that January before the shutdown. Right. And so everything just happened to work out that, you know, I did not do the March and the April and then boom, I started in May and then he's had ABA therapy ever since. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So both you and I worked in person for a while and then, and then we were still launching online. So we've seen both sides. Yeah, I, uh, I teach reading comprehension, grammar and writing skills and social skills for kids online. So we did a whole summer program um, where I kind of, I was the lead coordinator for like three, with three other kids and we were kind of teaching social skills. Um, we were teaching grammar and then creative writing. Oh, so, wow. so it was kind of like, I kind of, that that's when I understood like one, how to really make curriculum interesting. And two, I understood, I, I kind of understood how hard it was for teachers to teach online as well. So. It was it was like a mix and it was a change, but I it was it was fun. I really enjoyed it. So Great. 
Yeah, I did too. We did social skills classes in person and then I'm doing math online. And it's interesting how you have to change the curriculum to, to fit certain students. It's the same content you have to teach in different ways for different students that have different mm -hmm. ways of understanding. Exactly. And then it's so much nicer in person. I, I definitely am glad to be back in person teaching. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, we're just waiting for like in-person volunteering too. Huh. I, at least I've been waiting for like a long time. I, I always ask, I'm like, so are we opening up anytime soon? But um, how helpful was peer-to-peer -peer interaction like pandemic? Um, well, for Hunter, because he was he's was working with you know, he has our, my babysitter's daughters are um, one of them is two years younger than Hunter and the other one is four years younger than Hunter. But because they're typical children, right? They don't have special needs. That was actually been great for him to have the interaction with them. I mean, they've been his peers really, um, and so they played with him. They played tag. They ran after him. Tag, you're it. So they were teaching him. What does that mean when you say tag, you're it? Right? You're running around. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a swing in our backyard. They were all playing together, doing that. Um, if they were coloring, their mom, you know, would have Hunter's color as well. He, you know, he kind of get a little mad, like, no, I don't want to do this. And she's like, no, no, we're all coloring now. Right. Mm -hmm. So he had his own little classroom with those two because they were here. You know, one of them was in, um, kindergarten. And so eventually she'd have like a class in the morning when Hunter was doing ABA. So it was, it was good for him to have them around. Mm -hmm. um, especially typical children because I, I, I think that he can learn a lot from them because he can see how independent they are and the things that they're doing and um they'll say no no hunter don't be mad like <laughs> the little four-year-old she's always been super cute and then she'd say she'd say hunter let's play let's play so I'm hoping that he's picking up some of those things from them right yeah how, how what changes have you seen in him after working with after he's been with those kids Oh, he just is happy. He, they, they love him and they you know, and he listens to them too. Cause they'll say, come here, Hunter, come here. We're going to play, you know? And so I, I think that that's good for him to be around typical children and he can just absorb, you know, the behavior, you know, how it's okay to play. You don't always have to have a toy. You can play with people, you know, and they're so kind to him. They're very kind and, and wonderful girls. And he went to go play with them yesterday at their house and he had a blast as their mom told me. <laughs> oh, that sounds so fun. I'm just waiting to go back. <laughs> um, so before we move on to our next segment, we're gonna take a small little break so everybody can grab a little bit of water and then we'll continue back to this such amazing conversation. So, yeah. Okay. And guys, welcome back. So to continue on with the interview, the next question is, um, how is your son supported at school? So at school, first of all, um, he qualifies for bus services. So um, that's one thing about children with special needs. Um, they get to, first of all, they, they qualify for services to get them to school. And um, in Hunter's case, he is, he's a student that's with the county. So every school district is responsible for educating children. If they feel they don't have a program that meets the needs of the student, then they send them to what they call the county. And so Hunter actually goes to a county program 
for, um, for school. He is in a school where there's children that aren't in the county program, um, but there are basically five classrooms within the school that he attends. And so um, there he gets off the bus and he is supported with teachers and there's aides in the classroom and there's other children a lot like Hunter. And he's in a program where they call moderate to severe. So he is definitely in what they call a special days class, SDC. And so for the day, he spends the whole day with the same teacher and a couple of aides so that they can work with children like him that need a lot of support. Mm -hmm. um, Hunter has speech therapy at school a couple days a week. He also has occupational therapy. He also has um, PE, they call it adaptive PE, where someone's making sure that he can do his skills. So um, these are just some of the services that he's provided with quite a bit, I know. <laughs> That's amazing, though. You know, some we've heard, um, you know, we've heard people say that there's not a lot of services. And yeah. so it's amazing to see that kind of transition from like hearing past interviews where uh, there's like, oh, there's not a lot of services. You know, it's kind of like you have to find them. And here being supported with so many services, I think that's I, I personally felt so happy to hear that. So I yeah. do, too. Well, if you're familiar with the IEP, the educational um, program that once a year we sit down and we talk about Hunter as parents and teachers and everybody, they all come to the table once a year to try to figure out what Hunter needs. And so um, this year we'll talk about it again on, you know, does he need more speech? Does he need more occupational therapy? Is he getting enough adaptive PE? And so once a year, that's what we do. We make sure that his goals are being met and then we adjust them. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing to hear. Yeah, that's nice. It's like support and it changes the, uh, the system for the kid and individualizes it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, what advice would you give to other parents whose children have special needs? Well, uh, the first thing I would say is, you know, find out who your local parent group is. Because um, like I started to, you know, said at the beginning, you know, being part of the Silicon Valley Down Syndrome Network um, really was a great experience for us as we first were learning about having a child with special needs and then hearing from parents and getting advice from parents. Um, I love doing a Facebook group. I'm part of a Facebook group that has over 15,000 parents. And when we have a question, you know, hey, you know, how can we get Hunter to sleep better? You know, every every parent can chime in and there's that's just that extra support. Right. Um, and then, like I mentioned before, you know, parents helping parents, you know, they they actually gave us a bunch of books to educate us when Hunter was a baby and they sent him in the mail and they said, here's some here's some great resources for you to start to learn. And so, um, so yeah, really talking to other parents is, is the best way to not to feel so overwhelmed to understand that other parents have dealt with it mm -hmm. and they are there to support you as you're going through the next milestone. You know, it took Hunter a long time to learn how to walk. You know, we didn't know that a child with Down syndrome sometimes doesn't walk until two or three and that's okay. You know, because eventually you can't stop him. <laughs> so it's just, it, you know, I used to say to myself, well, now that he's walking, you know, you can't stop him now. And at one point we were like concerned and other parents kept telling us, don't worry, he'll start, he'll walk when he's ready. It's okay. And I think, you know, parents that have children with special needs need to learn that it's okay for our kids to be different and to take longer to do something because they'll get there. They just get there on their own time. Beautiful. That's that's a beautiful message. Beautifully, 
beautifully written. Beautifully said, yeah. Thank you. Um, I think, uh, I guess building off of that, what advice do you give, would you give to parents whose children have just received their diagnosis for autism or Down syndrome? You know, um, it, it's, you know, it's kind of a, what, I think what we, there's this poem, you'll have to look it up, it's beautiful. Um, it talks about how, you know, you have this expectation about going on a certain vacation, right? Going to Italy or France or wherever. And then somebody tells you they're taking you to Hawaii, right? Oh. And you're like, but I wanted to go to France, right? But there's nothing wrong with going to Hawaii, right? Yeah. So if you look up this poem, that's what other parents with Down syndromes kind of shares. It might not have been the trip that you wanted to take, but there, but experience it and let it happen, right? It, it, it can be just as good, right? And so um, I think that's what, you know, parents need, need to be aware that it's a different road and that's just going to take you on a different journey, right? Yeah. And so you just got to be open to that other journey and start to learn. And yeah, it can be overwhelming. And that's why it's so important to, to, to find your resources, to educate yourself, um, to make a lot of friends, right? I'm, I'm lucky I have family, I have friends, you know, having all that extra support. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions, you know, and it's okay to be disappointed, but it's also okay to get excited about your new adventure, right? Yeah. So it's a little bit of both, right? You first kind of go, wait a minute, this isn't the trip I planned. And then you go, Oh, but this is a really good trip. <laughs> exactly. Again, this this was beautifully, like very well stated. I think it also helps us kind of connect in a different way, you know, not yeah. only about um not only about diagnosis or anything, but in general it's kind of like a life, like always be happy to kind of do something new. Um with this, like uh, me and Preeti are part of like the new generation, the the youth. Um <laughs> So what is one message that you'd like to tell the youth and our generation in terms of being kind, friendly, and respectful towards special needs children? Well, I think in, in, in general, we have to just think that everybody is different, right? You know, we, we look different, we act different, you know, we have different personalities and, and accepting people for who they are, regardless of what they look like. Um, what disability they might have. I mean, I think that's what we're at right now, right? We just have this overall, we accept people we, yeah. for who they are, right? They can love whoever they want to love. They can look how they want to look. They can dress how they want to dress, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that really is the overall theme that we have right now in society is that, you know, we're all going to be different. We have different personalities too. And so we just have to be open to, to letting people be who they are. Right. Mm -hmm. And to dislike them for who they are. Yeah. Period. That's amazing. That so, is very important. Letting people be who they are. Oh yeah, for sure. I think everybody, regardless, everybody has different perspectives, different mm -hmm. um, tastes, and that's perfectly fine. That's what makes everything so much more nicer and so much mm -hmm. more open for discourse. Um, so is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? Well, I, you know, I, I think, you know, as an educator and as a parent, we should all have an expectation that we want our children to be the best that they can be. Mm -hmm. And everybody's best that they can be is going to be different. You know, uh -huh. everybody's not going to go to college, right? Everybody's, you know, not going to be this career or that. Just give everybody a chance to be their very best, whichever that is, 
right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we want for everybody, whether it be for my students or for my son, whatever his highest potential is, that's what I want him to reach. And as I get to know him better, as he gets older, we'll see what that is. Mm -hmm. And everybody just needs to be open to what their highest potential is. And so I think that that is super important is that some, some people's highest potential is going to be to go to Harvard, right? <laughs> Somebody else, you know, they're going to study to be a plumber and that's, that's totally fine, right? Okay. And so same with special needs people. Some of them, their highest potential is going to have them be in some type of junior college and some of them maybe not. So that's, that's pretty much what I'm, you know, thinking that we really just give everybody a chance to reach whatever their highest potential is. I really Another like that. Another beautifully said message. I, I really like that. And I think that, um, I think me, all of our listeners, everybody's going to really take that, you know, it's like something now that's kind of like a new perspective. And I really like how you mentioned everybody's new, like, different potentials and we should reach our potential. I think I don't, I, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but I've seen a lot around me, um, I guess that comparing, like even within our peers, it's like, oh, you got that on, you know, on that test, I, I should have, or I, sh I, I didn't do that. And I think that's, that itself is, that change is really important in any level. And I think that's, that's a, that's a message that really hit close to home. And I really like that. So thank you so much for that. I think oh, I took away the same thing, the fact that you have to accept people for who they are regardless of what their potential is so we had really we had a really fun time interviewing today um miss Han uh, hansen i learned a lot i don't know about you terry oh, i was able to see a different perspective i've been learning a lot and i'm so glad that i was able to learn so much more it was very interesting thank you for joining us and to our listeners if you don't already follow us on our social media on our facebook page narrate with Nirate, instagram at nwnirate and thank you for listening Again, I just want to say again, um, thank you so much, Mrs. Hansen, for joining us today and providing us with so many new insights and perspectives. I definitely enjoyed learning from you, and I'm sure, I'm sure, and this one I'm sure I can say I can speak for our listeners as well. They definitely enjoyed listening to you as well. Um, again, for everybody listening, um, we have recently been able to get our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so you can also check us out there. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any questions, you'd like us to address any topics, please be sure to reach out to us on the pages that Preeti's already mentioned. So thank you all for listening. Thank you so much for Mrs. Hansen for joining us today. I'm Siri. And I'm Preeti. Bye, guys. Bye.